Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice and macro research on today's shifting economic and market landscape. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello, my name is Helen Freer. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer in Zurich. And I'm delighted to be joined here today by my colleague Menzor Pocinci, the Head of Technical Analysis at Julius Baer. Hello, Menzor. Thank you, first of all, just for taking the time to record this podcast with me today. Hello, Helen. So in the next few minutes, we will dive into the topic of technical analysis. I'm going to ask Menzel about why technical analysis is important, the basics of how it works and how it differs to fundamental analysis. And I'm hoping Menzel will also reveal his top tips for investors. So let's get started. Technical analysis sounds pretty technical. So can we start with a sort of basic definition? I mean, when your children ask you what you do for a living, Menzel, what do you tell them? Yes, I have to admit, uh, Helen, I've tried many things. I tried to explain to them bull, bear markets, corrections, speculation, and so on. But nothing really, uh, you know, did stick with them. Uh, so the simplest way I can explain it to them is by telling them I look at waves. So I look if the wave is uh, moving upwards, sideways, or downwards. And interestingly, they can do the same analysis. So they can look at charts and immediately see if the trend is up, down, or flat. Okay, that's a good analogy. And what would you add to this if you were explaining it to an adult then? Well, basically, uh, what we look is uh, at the market signals. So we are looking what the market is telling us uh, from the prices. And uh, basically, we try to find out what is the supply and demand for securities, commodities, currencies, bonds. We try to understand the current trend and see potential future developments. Can I ask, just out of interest, how you first got into this area? Why were you drawn to technical analysis? Well, uh, I uh, discovered the financial markets and I saw that prices are moving up and down and all this information and I wanted to make sense of it. So uh, in the pre-internet age, of course, the only thing you could do is if you wanted to find out something is either ask someone or go to the library. So I invested a uh, Saturday morning in the library and found a simple book in German explaining financial markets and three pages explained the advantages and disadvantages of technical analysis. And uh, basically, since ever since then, I, uh, I think uh, this makes sense for me and I can understand financial markets with these tools. Technical analysis is often compared to fundamental analysis. Both are methods used to analyse securities and make investment decisions. Could you outline for us what the key difference is between the two? Well, in uh, technical analysis, we assume that all information is already in the price. So basically, instead of analysing the uh, services and products of a company, we only look at the supply-demand of a security. So the question we are asking ourselves is, is there more supply or more demand for security, currency, commodity, and what is the underlying trend. We basically assume that all the information is in the price, and so we don't need to know what the latest product is, what they are doing, or anything uh, which is uh, currently in the news. 
Okay, really interesting. Now, if we look at the basics of technical analysis, then there are three assumptions on which it is based. The first you've just talked about, which is that the market discounts everything. So all the fundamentals are already accounted for in stock prices. Price movements follow trends is the second. And thirdly, history tends to repeat itself. Can you tell us a bit more about these assumptions and why they're so important? Well, basically, um, let's start with the most important one, uh, market discounts everything. Um, So let's assume there is a company and uh, suddenly this company decides to order more supplies. It orders not only more supplies, but with the supplier, it decides not to bargain about the price. Um, You could, of course, imagine that the suppliers get suspicious and thinks, okay, uh, business must be booming at this client and so he might decide to buy the stock. So um, by doing so, he already uh, interferes in supply-demand of the stock. And so even if we don't know what the rationale is of this investor to buy or sell, basically they leave their footprints in financial markets. So the supply-demand already changes. And so this means we don't need to know what the rationale is or why investors decide something. Then secondly, uh, prices move in trends. So... Of course, if you look at daily moves, uh, you might have the impression that the prices move randomly. But if you chart these price moves in a chart and look at the nominal returns or relative returns in longer pictures, then basically you quite soon uh, can see that there are bull markets, bear markets, and sideways movements. So there are trends, which implies that we can invest with those trends. Um, The last one, history tends to repeat itself, of course, uh, maybe not one-on-one, but it tends to rhyme. And the reason for this is that the human being basically acts on financial markets and the human being itself has not changed. So the human being um, decides emotionally and he is driven by fear and greed. So uh, if I show you charts from different periods and just take off the names, you could not make the difference or tell me the difference if this is a chart from the 19th century, 20th century, 21st century, they all look the same. And so we can basically, in technical analysis, look at these patterns and look for them to repeat. So you've just mentioned human emotions there, and I find it really interesting that the foundations of technical analysis have remained unchanged for the last century. And this is mainly due to human psychology. Could you elaborate a bit on how these two things are linked? Well, basically, uh, we might assume that the investor basically decides rationally, but of course he decides emotionally. And so when he is, uh, when prices are rising, he is happy. When prices are declining, of course, he's unhappy. And basically, he's driven by fear and greed. So as a simple example, I could show you a radio stock from the 1920s. I could show you a Japanese stock from the 1980s and the dot-com stock from the late 1990s, if I take off the label of the charts, you could not make the difference and tell me which one is which. Because basically human psychology is at work, and it's driven basically by fear and greed. So um, you see a bull market, which goes into speculation, and then in all three cases, basically, it goes into a crash, and uh, these stocks decline by more than 90%. So in your work, you analyze a lot of market data. But with all the market data available to almost 
everybody. How can one technical analyst differentiate himself from another? I guess what I'm wondering is, do all technical analysts come to the same conclusions? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, there are a few jokes. So uh, one joke is maybe if you ask 10 technical analysts about an opinion, you get 12 different answers. But uh, maybe that's uh, with a lot of these uh, forecasting professionals. So basically, how do we differentiate ourselves? Basically, what we do is we try to follow really the medium-term uh, pattern. So we think that in the short term, there is a lot of randomness. There is a lot of competition in the short term uh, trading scene. So basically, we try to go where there is maybe a bit less competition. So in the medium term, and basically from the approach, uh, we are trend followers. So uh, we assume very simplistically if uh, yesterday was positive day that most likely today will be a positive day as well and so this is how we differentiate ourselves and we have quite uh, uh, quite uh, strict methodology so we start from top down we look at asset classes we look at countries regions sectors and then finally come up with the individual stock now going a bit deeper into the technical aspects of your work your ultimate goal is to read the trend and momentum of a stock to determine if this trend will continue or reverse. Could you please give us some examples of the sort of signals that you're looking for? Well, there are many signals. I mean, the easiest signal, of course, is if security itself declines. So then we have a bearish signal. We can say, OK, uh, there is more supply than demand for this security. Um, then secondly, um, there is the relative performance. So the worst thing, of course, which can happen to you is you are in a bull market. In a bull market, equities do 16% per annum, and you're stuck with a stock which does maybe 5% per annum. And if you chart the relative performance, you will fairly soon see that your stock is underperforming. So this means for us that we don't hold any stocks which underperform the market, even as they in nominal terms advance. So we cut those underperformance. And last but not least, we look at the momentum indicator. So this means when the uptrend is slowing and we see that there is a slowing going on, we might decide to sell the stock earlier. Okay, interesting. So you're always on the lookout for the biggest trends. And can you tell us a bit about your security selection process? Well, as I said, we start uh, from a top-down selection. Uh, so we look at the countries, uh, we look at the regions, we look at the sectors and try to find the best stocks. And the reason for this is mainly that um, historically, when we look, let's say, in the past 90 years, there is an interesting study in the U.S. where basically uh, you find out that only 4% of all listed stocks are responsible for all the wealth creation in the U.S. equity market. And the rest, 96%, basically match treasury bill returns. So this means that uh, the average stock is a uh, return-free risk. So this means for us, we have to be quite selective in the stocks and probably more important than the buying is basically the selling. So how can we avoid not ending up with a stock that is a return-free risk? So once you've selected your preferred stocks, you put together your highest convictions in several technical portfolios, which are updated on a weekly basis. Could you please tell us more about the key characteristics of these portfolios? Well, the portfolios uh, themselves, um, we try to be as realistic as possible. So we assume that we have a limited selection of stocks, which we can buy. So let's say 30 stocks. And the idea is that in a bull market, we are fully invested. So we buy the strongest stocks uh, according to our charts. 
And then, of course, it's an unconstrained approach. So this means we don't have to have exposure to all the sectors. Let's say one sector remains in a bear market or is underperforming. We would have zero exposure to it. And then uh, finally, of course, the advantage is that if uh, the equity market goes into a bear market, we have the optionality to go to cash uh, up to 100%. So it's an unconstrained approach and without really, you know, these uh, constraints of uh, replicating a benchmark. And would you say, Menzo, there are any scenarios where technical analysis doesn't work as well? Oh, yes, of course. I mean, technical analysis is not... uh, is uh, definitely not uh, perfect and uh, basically it depends what your goal is. So what we can say is, of course, that in the very short term, uh, prices probably are a bit random, first of all. And secondly, with our approach, especially this trend-following approach, uh, where we, of course, struggle is when markets go sideways for an extended period of time, where we don't have a leader, so neither on the asset class, nor on the sectors, nor on the stocks, Uh, then, of course, with our approach, we are suffering. Thank you very much, Menzo. So I'll just quickly summarise then for our listeners. Your technical portfolios invest in the strongest trending markets and the allocation is unconstrained. So there are no rules in place with regards to allocations to various sectors, for example. You aim to pick the winners of the winners. You remain invested as long as the uptrend continues and you cut losses early. So we're coming to the end of the podcast, but I mentioned at the beginning that I was going to ask you about your top tips for investors. So what top tips do you have for our listeners today, Menzor? Well, I mean, you mentioned them already. So I think, first of all, uh, you should not invest against the market. So be aware what is the trend in the market and do not invest against it. Then secondly, I think what is psychologically difficult, but you have to do it is you have to cut losses early. So this means when you have done an investment, it doesn't work, you have to sell it. So um, the joke, of course, is uh, what is a long-term core holding? That's a failed short-term investment opportunity where basically you (laughs) avoid uh, selling the stock. And of course, if you want to have home runs in your portfolio, you cannot sell after 10% of gain. So this means in order to have home runs, you need to have uh, stocks which can maybe go up 50%, double or even more. So this means you have to keep uh, basically uh, your winners uh, invested in order to have home runs. And then last but not least, I think it's very important before you start investing to ask yourself what is your investment horizon. So this uh, means, of course, if you are a short-term investor, you use different tools. If you are a medium-term investor, you use uh, different tools as well. And basically the worst you can do is that you decide, let's say, to be a short-term investor But once it doesn't suit you or it doesn't work really, that you change and you keep changing your investment style and then basically you end up with a big mess in your approach. Excellent. Thank you, Menzor, for the very informative conversation. And with that, we conclude this edition of the Beyond Markets podcast. I'd like to thank Menzor for joining me today and providing insights into the very interesting field of technical analysis. And thank you all for tuning in. We do hope that you enjoyed listening to this conversation and we hope that you'll join us again soon. Bye for now. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking, 
visit us at www.juliusbear.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.